Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Well, I tell you, you're in for a treat because I'm not doing the show this week. Uh, we have actually, we have uh, guest hosts and co-hosts. And uh, as they say, the inmates are running the asylum. They said, Mark, who's interviewing you? And I said, it's my show. No one's interviewing me. And they said, not good enough. So I'm going to introduce our first host. And then Randy, I'm going to let you go from there. Randy Bretz who was um, the organizer from TEDx Lincoln, who drove six hours uh, to see me give my TED Talk again <laughs> on the air. I want to thank you. That was, uh, you were the guy stage left, uh, eighth row back that I could look at and knew I would get that confidence uh, you from did a great you. Job. Well, thank you. You were also the, the first person on uh, the Hacking the Red Circle podcast, so I think it's fitting uh, that you have the honor. So I'm going to hit the start button. And by the way, I can hit the stop button any, any time I want. You know, so, uh, I'll, I'll let you guys go. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let you guys go. It's your show now. Bye-bye. Well, well, today we really are hacking the red circle. Or should I say, we've hacked Mark Sylvester's podcast, Hacking the Red Circle. For well over a year, Mark has been talking with TEDx curators from around the world, getting them to share the art ideas of what it takes to produce a great event. And if you're like me, you've listened to these podcasts, and you've got a long list of things to help make your TEDx a phenomenal event. And as Mark said, I'm Randy Bretz. I'm curator at TEDx Lincoln, TEDx Youth at Lincoln, and TEDx Lincoln Women, all originating from Nebraska, and that's smack dab in the middle of the United States. And I've been part of the TEDx family since 2011. And my partner in this hacking event is Anna Golzer, who hails from Puerto Alegre, Brazil, way down there. It's a beautiful place. Anna's been involved with TEDx Lassador since 2010. And like me, she's also been very active in the TEDx community. Well, it was a comment that Anna shared on Facebook that brings us here today online with Mark Sylvester. So, Anna, what was that comment? Hi, everybody. So, it's a pleasure to be here <laughs> from Brazil. So, I, I made a comment saying that we should hack the red circle and make an interview with Mark because I saw all the movements that he been doing with our in our community and he was just spoke at TEDx Fargo. So I made this comment and Randy told <laughs> me say let's do it. <laughs> so well, enough about us and where we come from. Let's focus on Mark Sylvester. We've turned yeah. this whole thing around. As you said the inmates have taken over Mark. 
This man has been part of the TED and TEDx communities for many years. And Mark, I'm just going to ask you to tell us what your journey is or how you got to TED. You know, um, a lot of people know the story, but maybe not the listeners of this show. But 25 years ago, I live in Santa Barbara, which is in Central California. And I got a call from a friend of mine. Uh, I'm from the graphics animation software world uh, at that time. And he said, uh, what are you doing? It's in the middle of the morning. What are you doing for the next four days? And I said, well, why? And he says, because I'll be there in about 90 minutes. He was coming up from Santa Monica. He says, pack your bags because I'm taking you to this thing called TED. Uh-huh. He says, I'm the, the opening night party sponsor and I get to bring a guest and you're my guest. I had no idea what TED was at that time. TED was, you know, a closed secret, you know, society, if you will. Uh-huh. And uh, got in the car and and never looked back. Uh, I've not missed a TED uh, in one way or another. I um, stopped going to Vancouver a couple of years ago to be able to go to Fest and Summit, uh, where I find actually that my people, if you will, um, Mm -hmm. are at both of those events. uh, And just today filled out my form to go to uh, Summit in Scotland in 2019. In 2009, now my wife, Kimberly, who is uh, our speaker coach and uh, co-organizer of TEDx Santa Barbara, uh, she would do the coaching. And in 2009, we were at um, uh, clients in New York and we were telling them, hey, there's this new thing called TEDx. He was a TEDster as well. We had met Mm -hmm. years before. And we're thinking of doing one in Santa Barbara. And he goes, well, when are you going to do it? And I, you know, we, we hadn't even gotten that far yet. It was, I don't know. <laughs> this is January. And he, he says, well, it's, it's 2010. So you should do it on 10, 10, 10. And then mm-hmm. next year you should do it on 11, 11, 11. And the third year, year you should do it in 12, 12, 12. And that's what we did. Oh, that's, uh, and, and <laughs> we're recording this in September of 2018 and you just finished your your, uh, how many TEDx's have you done in Santa Barbara? Well, this is our sixth main event. We've done several live events. We did a youth Santa Barbara, and we announced um, at our show that we'll do 2019. We didn't want people to think we weren't going to do that. So we like doing a main event in the fall. And then we're going to do, um, I just saw the TED Women uh, simulcast come in today. So Mm-hmm. I've got uh, some women on the crew who say we need more women. And I said, okay, guess what? You're in charge of this. Uh, we had one of our partners come to us this year and say, how could we be more involved? And uh, they're a univer- local university. So we're going to be doing some salons with them uh, this year. It'll be the first time we've done that. And then uh, the we have a very, very active uh, junior high with a huge theater that uh, was redone a few years back. And the um, the guy who runs that said, uh, we'd like to move your TED over to our theater. And I said, I got a better idea. Why don't we do TEDx youth at your theater? Let's get the whole, you know, the whole community involved. So 2019 is going to be a, a big, big year for us. And, you know, I tell you, Randy and Anna, you know, um, each year you try to set the bar higher for yourself. And I mean, that's a, I, I think as Tedsters, we all do that. It's just kind of the people we all are. And whether it's set the bar higher for the user experience or the 
uh, the venue or the speakers or more diversity, whatever that means. And we had a set design this year by the same guy, Britt, uh, who's done it every year for us. He just knocked it out of the park. The, uh, my staff photographer and my director of uh, cinematography said, this is the most photogenic set you guys have done yet. It's just- I, hope, I hope that uh, when this goes live on, on the Hacking the Red Circle, there's a picture of that. We'll put I some pictures. Yeah, oh, was, I, I, I've seen a picture of it. It is, it is phenomenal. Uh, Anna, do you have a question for Mark? Yes, I can see your passion about TEDx, but why TEDx and why still TEDx? Uh, and great no question. other movement. Um, you know, when we were driving home after the 2010 event, my mother-in-law, uh, Kimberly's mom, uh, we were on the phone with her and she said, so tell me again why you guys spend a thousand hours on this thing and you don't make any money and it's free and there's literally nothing in it for you. And I said, well, there's nothing in it for us financially, but there's everything in it for us uh, emotionally and, and as you know, stewards of, of Santa Barbara and ambassadors for Santa Barbara gives us a chance to shine a global lens on on what we're so proud of here in our community and i've been doing community service you know since i was 30 when first introduced to that idea and this is the first thing that i've been involved in either running or being on the board or being involved as a volunteer whatever that is that i absolutely um love just giving my time because I see our role, Kimberly and I see this uh, very, very similar as this is in fact the community service that we can do where we know for a fact we are changing lives. Uh, We're changing our speakers' lives, absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. They're changing tens of thousands of lives. We've had 12 and a half million views of our videos so we know that lives are being changed and we have a great uh, ongoing relationship with the speaker. So knowing that our efforts, we can, it's not even a dotted line. There's a direct line between what we choose to spend our time on and change in the world. And that is, uh, it's addictive. Uh, it is compelling. It um, would be if, I could afford would be my full-time, all-the-time job. You have eloquently said the very feeling that I have of why I do and invest so much of myself into my events. And I I just deeply appreciate. Uh, and, And with that many views, I know that you have viewers all over the world. And, um, and that's what I tell our people here in Nebraska. There are people watching these vi- videos in China, in Russia, in Porto Alegre, Brazil, and uh, you know, yeah. all over the literally all over the world. And and uh, I think we're making a positive impact. So I, I cut you off uh, just a minute ago about your set, and I I would like for you to tell us a little bit about the set for TEDx Santa Barbara in 2018. What's interesting as an executive producer, and I think the organizers will get this, um, I'm 
really interested in the theme, which becomes that cohesive binding agent, that single thought. As much as we are encouraged, in fact, um, we have to be diverse around the speakers and the ideas. Yet our theme is this golden thread that, that weaves through, whether it's a direct weaving or indirect weaving, through each of the talks. And it allows us to build a narrative for the day. I mean, we, and I know all organizers do this, we are, we are very, very explicit about how we build the emotional uh, response and the highs and lows and the happy and sad and all that throughout the day. Well, it starts with the theme. I'm terrible at coming up with a theme. Absolutely terrible. <laughs> but Kimberly has a gift. She'll just look at me and she goes, no, I know what it is. And she just says it, blurts it out. Now, what Kimberly can't do is figure out how to make that come to life. That's not her gift. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. I get to do. Uh, as a production designer, I can uh, work with my crew to say, what does, um, we did the unthinkable a couple of years ago. Like, what does that look like? What does the spark within look like? So this year it was yes and uh, we're improv comedians in our in our copious spare time, and we we thought that um, yes, there is a homeless problem, and what could we do about it? Yeah, that was that's where that went, and so when my so I've got a set designer who's an architect by day, I've got a graphic designer who's an intern at the university in marketing communications, I've got an animator who's a teacher in Texas. Uh, so we're all over the place and we come together with, uh, with this yes and, and in talking to Kimberly, because in this w- way of creating a visual, she's my client, right? She mm-hmm. has the idea. Mm-hmm. So she said the last few years, everything has been too square and linear. And these ideas are more curved. They're more fluid. They're more, how do we, how do we, and she said fluid and she said dynamic. Cause I taped those conversations. <laughs> Uh, to be able to figure out, like, what words can I use to create a brief to to give to the design team? Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, we live in Santa Barbara, so we're surrounded by ocean on three sides, water by the fourth. So waves kind of made sense, but waves were too on the nose. Like, I didn't want to do a wave. Mm-hmm. We're also influenced, we're Asia Pacific, uh, we're influenced by a lot of Japanese stuff through our martial arts and so I found, you'll love this, I found at TED Fest, uh, two blocks from the, uh, the uh, St. Anne's Theater, is a Japanese antique shop in the basement level of one of those stores. <laughs> oh, my. I went down there, and I'm looking around, I'm just completely, oh, my gosh, I'm in heaven. And I find this little four-inch antique Japanese plate with a blue wave pattern on it. When you see it, you would go, Mm -hmm. oh, I get it. Mm -hmm. And so I said, that's my inspiration. So I sent a picture to the team and I said, this is our starting point. And the designer then, uh, Lillian, took and she said, okay, well, if if it's waves, what if we flip those and we have clouds? So we have clouds and waves and we have this whole idea of yin and yang and back and forth and up and down and yes and and all of that. So that turned into um, my set designer calling me up to go to his studio. And he had strung these sails, these six-foot uh, fabric sails, 
up in his studio to see what the weight of gravity would be like if we mm-hmm. were to hang these up. And for the first year, I thought, this is such a contribution to the TEDx Santa Barbara event, this collaborative of ideas and uh what it looks like. We let's share that. So we did a podcast about it. I, I had them on stage and thanked them. And then Marshall, who's our animator from Texas, he looked at it and that whole thing animates. So when you see our videos uh, that'll go online in you know, however many weeks, he has all of these little waves and circle draw on to the screen, but everyone draws on different because he said, everybody's going to look at the animation and the talks and the stage differently. They're going to bring their own perspective. So um, as much as I love short answers, that was a long one for you guys. (laughs) That was about 20 minutes. No, not really. Uh, What's on your mind? Uh, No, I think this is beautiful (laughs) for sure. (laughs) I want to see. But going back to your answer to my question, you said that you changed lives, that you, change uh, speakers' lives. Could you tell us a story that it's kind of remarkable? Yeah, the, um, you know, we always think about uh, how an idea, you know, their ideas were spreading. And we think about it from the point of view of the audience, you know, from the person watching the video, you know, days, weeks, years to come. Yet I've been because I'm always focusing on the not the obvious thing. I look at the speakers. We've had 85 speakers, and I, and I know there's very specific changes that have been made. So what we did this year was we invited three of them from two years ago to come back in a, what we now have a where are they now mm-hmm. uh, feature. So we had one speaker in the middle of each of the three sessions because we have a um, uh, we have a bit of a rule on our speaker selection. We if you've already done a TED talk, we we don't invite you. Uh, we really want it to be for for fresh um, voices. Mm. And but in this case, we broke our own rule because we wanted them to say what what has happened since like where has that idea and it's not what has happened to you, but what's happened to the idea. Right, because remember, we we don't look for speakers; we look for ideas, then find the right voice to yeah. be able to present that idea. And uh, I'm I'm thinking of this uh, 16-year-old who's now 18, has actually moved to Santa Barbara to go to school here, and she talked about how the talk changed everything about labels. It was about bullying. She had a club foot and had surgery, and through that surgery, she um, became, you know, didn't have the deformity and now, but the scars, uh, caused her to be uh, picked on by, uh, girls in her, uh, middle school. Mm. She went on from the talk to write a book. We, you know, I told her on the Sunday after the show, I said, Chloe, you are going to be the voice of this movement. And I know you don't know that now, but that is the truth. And uh, Simon and Schuster uh, saw her talk and offered to do a book. Uh, then uh, Cure International uh, booked her that last summer for a uh, fifty-talk tour of five countries. She got to go see clubfoot surgeries. She talked to girls' schools. She talked. I mean, 
it's changed everything for her. Uh, absolutely everything. So just, you know, I, I'm thinking of the 15 speakers that we had on Saturday and I looked them all in the eye in the after party and I said, you, you don't know this yet, but you're different now. Yeah. And one of the things that going through six months of Kimberly's training is that the presentation literacy skills that were transferred to them, both on writing content, how you deliver, how you present, how do you rehearse, how do you memorize, how do you structure, how do you work the circle, all of the things that she, you know, it's just, they all got, I'm going to guess, 40 hours of coaching a piece. Oh, wow. Um, plus group coaching, because where there's a whole group coaching thing that we do that's, you know, and it's really important to us that we provide them with every single thing possible so that when they step into the circle, that idea has a better chance of going out in the world and changing lives. Because that's, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's what we're doing. So, I want the audience to be happy with no friction, not being upset because they didn't get a coffee or their ticket wasn't there, or the badge wasn't right. I want the speakers to feel like they're they're the best person they could be at that minute when they step into the circle and the mm-hmm. stage manager taps them on the back of the shoulder and say, go get them. And the hug they get from me when they come off stage, all of those things change how they think about what we call short form high stakes communications, right? How do you take your life and put it into 12 minutes? Right. That's kind of what we're asking them to do. Right. Yeah. Yes. I want to, I want to switch a little bit uh, and talk about um, this podcast that you do hacking the red circle. Sure. I said in the introduction, I listened to almost every one of them and they've impacted me. And uh, tell me why you started this. Um, I, I'm a, uh, I'm by avocation. I'm a teacher. Uh, I love to teach. Um, you know, I consult and I, and I teach in all the businesses I've run. I see that my role as a leader is as a teacher. Um, I'm also a student. I think as a Tedster, we're all students. Um, and every good student, if you turn that coin over, they tend to be a good teacher. And I really enjoy working with TEDx organizers. I just love it. The barrier to entry to become a TEDx organizer is that application and filling out an application that will move the powers that be in New York to say, let's grant them a license. Let's give them a shot at, at bringing TED to their hometown. Well, it's been my experience that the person who will go and do that doesn't, I mean, they love TED Talks, right? You know, when I talk to them, when I interview them, it's like they saw, they listened to their first talk in school or a friend introduced them and they love the idea, but they're not trained event producers. They're not marketing people. They've right. never raised money. They're not uh, uh, AV production people. They don't know any of the 37 things you've got to be good at to do that. So I had originally thought of doing a series of videos uh, to, to just to say, Hey, this is how you do it. Yeah. And I pitched that uh, in New York and they thought, 
He said, you know, we wouldn't really like that because if someone's going to teach it, it really should be us because you may say, here's a way that you approach a sponsor and it may or may not be the way we think might be the way to do it. And it was total sense. Made, it absolutely made perfect sense. And in the conversation as it went on, they said, have you seen the case studies that are done by organizers? And I said, yeah, I mean, I, I love them. I think Vienna had just posted uh, of the, in that week. And they said, well, we love these. And I thought, well, maybe I was thinking about it all wrong. And what I needed to do was interview people, organizers, as a kind of a postmortem of the show. Like, you know, what had you done? We just let's learn from each other, which is kind of the best part of Fest and Summit and, and all of the, the workshops, that the regional workshops we go to. Like, how could we learn from one another? And little did I know that Santa Barbara ends up becoming a laboratory for all the things I'm learning. I feel like I'm in this wonderful position to be at the center of what are now almost 90 conversations with people who are a thousand hours a year. That's the average Uh um, in their communities and every, you know, there's, there's so many things that are similar and, to, to what we do. And there's so much diversity in why we do it and how we do it, and where we do it, and when we do it and, and how, who the people we bring on and how we do it with teams. And, you know, I'm thinking of Guernsey, how many meetings do you have? He says, Oh, we don't have any meetings. <laughs> what, you know, or I, I, I'm talking uh, with, Oh, now I'm, now I'm going to forget names. I'm sorry, listener. I forget the names. Um, of people who listen to the show, take lists, and then take them into their meetings and say, we're going to do this and do this and do this and do this. I've done that. Right? Because <laughs> yeah. I, I think I'm, I'm so proud of the TED brand. I'm so proud of uh, the, the diligence that is paid to every single detail, uh, starting, you know, Monterey to Long Beach to Vancouver to Global to the Summit to all of that, that as independent organizers, the, let's say the quality level is very, is varied, yeah. right? So if we can learn from one another and freely share, which we all do, um, then we all get better and the brand stay gets better. Our events get better. And again, the ideas, which is what we're all about, are presented in a better way. Anna, I know you're curious about Fargo. Yes. <laughs> How was to give a TEDx talk? <laughs> well, a little background. About a year ago, I interviewed Greg Tavine, who's the organizer for the last nine years of TEDx Fargo. We met at BAMP, uh, the TED Summit in BAMP, which you, you know you're a TEDster when you say to your wife, honey, I know it's our 10th anniversary <laughs> and uh, it's happening right in the middle of the summit. And uh, we <laughs> met as a result of a TED project. So I thought it was perfectly fitting uh, that we spent it in Banff. Uh, it was, it was mm. spectacular as those who went know. 
but on the bus ride to Lake Louise, I sat next to a guy. And the thing I love about Fest and Summit is you're with your people. Every single person is an interesting and fascinating mm-hmm. conversation waiting to happen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Greg and I just, like, we had a bromance. Like, ba-bam, we became instant <laughs> friends. And when I had him on the show, uh, he said, so when are you doing a TED Talk? And I, I said, that's not my job. I'm you the know? producer behind the scene. Well, exactly. <laughs> my job is everything we say, everything outside the red circle is my job, and everything inside yeah. the circle is Kimberly's job. And you know, I mean, I can't speak at my own show. And I've had a lot of people, you know, why aren't you, why haven't you done a TED talk? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he just wasn't going to take no for an answer. And I think it's on the <laughs> air where he says, well, I'm formally inviting you in a year, come to Fargo. And, you know, for those of you that don't know that are listening, go look at any of the TEDx Fargo uh, videos. It is a world-class event. It's one of the oh, top, it is. top ones in the United States, mm-hmm. 2,300 people. Um, but three, so three weeks on a three weeks before, um, I go out, mind you, I'm married to a speaker coach. Uh, I am a producer, (laughs) you know, so the stakes were very, very high. I, um, I had three coaches. I had a story coach, a performance coach, a fitness coach. I had two consultants. I had one consultant, uh, who was, uh, he studies how words impact audiences. So um, he helped me adjust individual words to make things land better. And then I had a, uh, a um, psychologist uh, go through my talk uh, as a consultant to help me understand the science of what happens with dopamine and things like that uh, mm-hmm. as you're making decisions um, without using though any of those words. So, I mean, I was serious. I rehearsed every day at 7 in the morning. I did... 19 drafts. I did all of that. And there's nothing that I can think of yet that prepares you for the tap on the shoulder. You're mic'd, you're dressed, you've had the powder, you're ready to go. And they said, okay, you're, and you get the introduction. Um, Samantha Ninao of TEDx Bemidji got to introduce me. That was, which was fantastic. Um, and I, you walk out there, and what you normally would think is you're going to stand, <laughs> soften your knees, look out at the audience, get your breath, and start. And our way of coaching is we start talking as soon as you hit the circle, two, three, boom, I'm in the middle of my story, and I go. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a methodology for how we do that. and. I instantly found my wife in the audience and locked onto her and I locked onto a guy in the front row who was just, you know, lit up. And then a guy in the second row who was, he wasn't taking what I was saying. He just had a grumpy face on. And I Uh said, Hey, you're going to be my, uh, my guy who's going to make, keep me honest. And then Randy, you were over on stage left in the back. So I was watching. So, you were the people that I was, you know, landing my lines to. Mm-hmm. But four weeks before I went, Greg calls me up. He said, How's it going? 
says, well, you know, pr- pretty good. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm there. It took us eight revs to just to get the core idea down. Um, I'm doing the work I'm studying and I laid it out. It's, it was about creative problem solving. And as I was telling him more about it, he said, you know, this is exactly what we need to close the show. I was like, oh, come on. You're going to have, and you're going to have me close the show, followed by the governor of the state of North Dakota. Yeah, thanks, bud. So he just, he just raised the stakes even higher. And I think that as uh, a TED person, someone who appreciates that um, when we watch a TED talk, it, it forces us to seek something bigger than ourselves and to reach for uh, ideas that are just beyond our grasp. And, and we're constantly doing that and reaching and striving for mm-hmm. that. Um, there, this was the opportunity. Now, what I had not expected was that my empathy and compassion for speakers increased tenfold. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. I know, I know, and and I was able to, within six weeks, be backstage when Harry Grammer came off stage, gave him the talk of his life, and he's a big bear of a man, and he just melted into my arms. He left it all out there, and he just, and I just held him, and because I knew, I mean, now I know, and Come on, I've done, I've been there for 73 talks. I, I thought I knew it. And yeah. you don't, no. you don't, you don't. Um, you like to ask people what their, what their uh, superpower is. So I'm going to ask you, I think it's obvious from listening to you, but what, what, what's your, what do you think your superpower is? Um, and, you know, I, I can look at all the things that I have to choose from. Organizing, uh, pretty good. Collaborating, absolutely. Producing probably is going to be the one producing. Mm-hmm. Marketing, I'm terrible at. I, I, I could use help in marketing. I'm, I'm awful at that. Uh, curating, that's Kimberly's job. Um, and partnering, I'm quite good at that. I'm going to say producing. And what do you do as a producer? Um, the producer is the one who's got the, you know, you're up above everything and you have the entire event in your mind's eye and you need to communicate what that is to everybody that's involved with the show, whether they're on the core team, they're a volunteer, they're a partner, they're a speaker, they're the people at the theater that you have to work with. So it's understanding all of that, plus, you know, be in charge of the money, um, being mm-hmm. you know, the final say on the look and feel. We we have this thing we talk about, Kimberly and I talk about um, TEDx Santa Barbara is a premium brand event. And what, and I don't mean luxury at, at all. I just, <clears throat> I just mean that we pay attention to every single detail. Every little, there isn't a detail too small that we don't, you know, pay attention to. We let everybody do their job, but we do it within the context of we want this to be something we're extremely proud of. And all of that good energy is there in the room so that 
when the speaker steps into the red circle, the audience is responsive and just can't, they're just hungry for this person to give the talk of their life. The speaker is as prepped as they can be. And all of the, like my director of photography, my audio, my lighting, my guy who's running the slides, everybody for that 12 minutes are as present as they can humanly be. And that's what we're serving, right? Is that. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so as a producer, I want to make sure I'm not an executive producer in name only where you just write the checks. That's not the job. It's, it's the, I'm leading the charge. Uh, And, and it's with Kimberly as well, but she really, you know, she's the speakers and curator and, and all of that. Everybody has their role. So I'm the one above that who Mm -hmm. is keeping everything going. I can tell there's another question on your mind. <laughs> First, I wanna, how many people is in your team? And the other one? <laughs> uh, you interview so many people from all over the world, yes. So, uh, what is the funniest story that you heard? Well, the, we have um, eight people on our core team. And I tried the Mark Wynn trick of no meetings. Um, uh, that didn't work so well. Uh, <laughs> I, I had meetings. Um, I had meetings with everybody. So I just did one-on-ones because what, what I found was we're all sitting around and the tech guy is bored when we're talking about the goodie bags and the speaker yeah. people are bored when we're talking about marketing. So I've got to, I got to, to swing the pendulum back the other way. Um, we, you know, we had a couple, but I mean, our last meeting was in April. Um, so, you know, but I had lots of contact with everyone. So, and then our day of volunteers, uh, it's about 35, uh, you know, and the week of, uh, the other thing is, is we're a family event. So Kimberly's mom and stepdad, her mom is a content coach. Dad is our stage manager. He comes from the entertainment business. Uh, her dad is my X factor. He does stuff that needs to be done. And, uh, her, um, uh, stepmom, my mother-in-law is the lobby manager. And these four positions have been held for all six of our events. So she's like the den mother up in front, making sure the badges and selling t-shirts and keeping her arms around the volunteers and all of that. So on, uh, when you say what was the funniest of my shows, you know, it's kind of like asking someone which kid they liked the best, which, you know, so I can't do that. But um, I, I would say that I, I'm impressed with, with how resourceful organizers are um, there, whether it's resourceful, someone once said, um, it's not that you lack resources, you lack resourcefulness. Mm. That is not something lacking in the TEDx uh, organizer skill set. They, everyone to a person is resourceful. I will tell you, I've had some challenging shows. I met with, I already interviewed my first speaker for 2019 yesterday, and she's doing uh, work uh, in Uganda with uh, microloans and women and putting, you know, below the poverty line women to work uh, with their own businesses. And she kind of asked me a similar question. And I said, you know, I'm, 
I've only done three or four shows uh, from Africa, but one of them, you know, I'm interviewing the guy. Oh, this was uh, the guy that uh, you introduced me to, Randy. Uh, oh, yep, Vincent. Vincent, and uh, as we're talking, it's in Malawi. Uh, as we're talking. Uh, all the lights go out, all the power goes out. And, <laughs> and thankfully he was on his cell phone, but um, he's, he's very, very black. And uh-huh. uh, the, so I couldn't see him, but he is so funny. And he was so lit up that the light from the iPhone and showed his teeth and his big eyes. And we had the best conversation. It was so much fun. He's a great guy. He was here in Nebraska as part of the Mandela Fellows yep. last uh, in in 2017, and that's a phenomenal program right alongside of TEDx that that these people from Africa come to come over to the United States. Uh, tell me what your dragon is, Mark. It sounds like you've got uh, you know you're sitting in the catbird seat and everything is going well, but what's your dragon? Uh, for me, it is, it's, it's going to get back to the one that I think is common amongst all the organizers. It's raising the money. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you would think that people know about Ted. As soon as I say, you know, what's your favorite Ted talk? That's my opening line. I go, Ted, what's Ted? And I go, Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm in the wrong meeting. Uh, and I leave cause I'm not, I don't have time to educate them. Um, or, the other challenge for us is we have the largest concentration of nonprofits in the United States here in Santa Barbara. There's a lot of money. Here. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. There's 3,600 uh, that I know of uh, and everybody is, you know, raising money all the time. Yeah. And we're different because we're not, uh, we're not an educational cause. We're not a poverty cause. We're not human rights. We're not uh, some healthcare related disease mm-hmm. uh, we're not helping, you know, uh, African babies. Um, and, and those are all very, very worthy. So it's different and it's challenging and the, um, rightful restrictions we have on what we can and can't do just, again, it gets back to being resourceful, right? Yeah. Uh, fig- figuring that out. Um, though I will tell you, uh, that we had a new partner come on this year and, at the after party, as as we were walking into the back, she also volunteered, um, which was amazing. She wrote us a nice check and then was volunteering, checking people into the party, which is in a different venue down the street. And she said, uh, I said, well, how, what'd you think? And she said, it was amazing. You completely exceeded our expectations. I and mean, that was fantastic. We want to we wanna stay with you. I said, well, great. Thank you. She says, oh, but we want to do much more. I oh, said, wow. I said, well, what were you thinking? And she says, <laughs> well, we'd like to come in at the top. And I was like, really? <laughs> she, and she goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, you know, we're, we're in. And that um, completely, because you know, you, you know how you run these things. You run them right to the thin edge, right? So the dragon is money. But I, um, I feel like I have the advantage of 90 conversations in my head. Like if I want some advice, I just call up one of those conversations. And I remember someone saying, I don't remember who it was exactly, that 
every dollar spent should go towards that uh, creating the experience of getting the idea launched. If there's a thing that you're doing that isn't in service of that, you don't do it. Just don't do it. And mm. I have thought, well, you know, we, we do this because we always do that. Or we do this because that's, you know, we just, we spend a lot of money on this thing. And they're like, no, you don't have to do that. It's okay. And so this year we had a, you know, we had a huge event in, uh, we had a month long fire in California, the month of December, mm -hmm. uh, which is our prime fundraising time to go out and get in people's budgets. Then January, we had the debris flow, uh, lost 400 homes, 22 people lost their lives. It was extremely inappropriate for any of us to go out asking for money. Oh, yeah. Uh, all of the resources of the community went to, you know, resolving a, a lot of really, and, and I live in, I mean, I live uh, walking distance from that. Uh, so mm -hmm. we were impacted heavily as well. So this year I, I put an asterisk by the year, you know, uh, just to say we did it. It was the best show we ever did, but I think it was the, just the universe was saying, okay, you guys, you get a pass this year. Uh, and I don't think we get to like not have the meetings, not raise all the money, not do all the stuff we normally do. So ne next mm -hmm. year we'll, we'll be back on track. I kind of took a year off. Uh, we did not have a main event in 27 and 2018. And uh, because of not, not those kind of issues, but uh, it was just time for us to kind of back up. Uh, <clears throat> we've been going at this for almost an hour and oh, 43 uh, minutes and 30 seconds to be exact. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, Anna, uh, do you have a final question for Mark? Mm, not yet. <laughs> not yet. I'm processing. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask this, uh, and you always do this, Mark. You say, I'm going to turn this the red carpet into a magic carpet, and you can take it anywhere in the world. Where would you like to go, and what um, TEDx would you like to see? Well, the, the number one one that everyone wants to go to is Sydney. Yeah. Um, so I absolutely would, would love to go to Sydney. But I would love to go to every TEDx that I've had on the show because they are all so unique. And, I, uh, you know, Santa Barbara is a destination, and there are things that happen here every weekend that people come from all over the world to visit mm -hmm. us for one reason or another. Um, I had a friend who was a chili chef and Anna here in the United States, we have chili cook off. So it's competitive chili. And, uh, my buddy was the tri-state, he was a champion of Idaho, Washington, and Oregon. He was the tri-state chili champion. Oh, wow. And him and his wife, every single weekend, all year long, were at a chili competition somewhere in the United States. Just like people who go to dog shows or uh -huh. shows or whatever. So what I would really like to do is be in a position on Thursday to travel someplace in the world, to be in a green room, dress rehearsal, tech setup on a Friday, watch a show on Saturday, fly home on Sunday. And I would do that every single week of the year and go to 52 TEDx's if I could. Wow, that's fantastic. 
So there you have it. Anna Golzer and Randy Bretz have hacked the podcast, Hacking the Red Circle. <laughs> and we've gotten a deeper look at this man that we all know and love, Mark Sylvester. And I know you've learned a lot from today's conversation. So make it a habit to hack the red circle on a weekly basis. I'm Randy Bratz. I'm Anna. <laughs> and I'm Mark. And you didn't ask me my final question. Like, what's my hack? Oh, what's my oh. hack? <laughs> well, but you know what's what? your hack? <laughs> so I'm going to tell you, my hack is, is the one from uh, Amsterdam. That is, um, when I heard this, I said, I'm totally going to do it. And it is make sure that on the day of your event, you have everything organized and the team all set up so that you can go out to the front and personally shake the hand of every single person that walks into your show and thank them. I remember hearing that. And that's, that doesn't cost you anything, but a little bit of planning. And uh, last year I did that. And at the first break, uh, I see these two women who had come as uh, in together. I said, so what'd you think of the first session? And they go, well, forget that. I said, how did you have time? Just, we didn't know who you were. We just thought you were a greeter. <laughs> and how did you have time to say hello to everybody? And I said, you're feeling welcome and greeted and uh, a part of this event, you're an integral part of it that I, it's my job to, to welcome you and, and hopefully you will come back every year from now on. So there you go. That's the hack. Nice. So you want me to do the art close again? <laughs> <laughs> I don't edit these shows, Randy. I, this is, this is a for free show. So okay. I can't afford editing, but I want to, I want to thank you, Randy. I appreciate your good spirit, your goodwill and, and the amount of work you do in the Ted community. Um, uh, we all appreciate that. Uh, I love the hangouts that you host and I love you um, being a part of that. Anna, uh, I am such a fan of uh, everything that's happening in the Ted community in Brazil. Uh, I, I've got a, a project I work on down in Curitiba. Uh, I, I, that's, I want to go spend a month in Brazil, uh, enjoying that country. Uh, it is so vast and wonderful and has such, uh, such a heritage to it. So thank you. And for, such delightful people. Oh my God. <laughs> Be my guest and come to the Dex Lassador. I love it. So with that, let's say goodbye, um, to our listener who has listened to us for now almost 49 minutes. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.